There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cop of murder. Some cases can expose cracks in the legal system that cannot be ignored. On December 31st, 1981, the first of many cracks attributed to a killer trio were committed. That, to this day, remains unsolved. Crimes Act, in the end, exposed issues and shortcomings with the Belgium Gendarmerie that could not be ignored. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On December 31st, 1981, a burglary took place at the Gendarmerie Barracks in Etterbeek, Belgium, where a number of automatic weapons, ammunition, and a car were stolen by a group of unknown men. Men who, at the time, no one knew would go on to commit a number of crimes under the media-given name, the Brabant Killers. One of the biggest crime sprees in history. A series of crimes that, to this day, remains unsolved. A few months later, on March 13, 1982, a 10-gauge falling shotgun was stolen from a store in Denant where two men were seen fleeing from the scene. They were described as tall and donning mustaches, and occasionally accompanied by a third man, and they had started committing more violent crimes all around the Brussels area. On May 10, 1982, a man named Austin Allegro was robbed at gunpoint by men who spoke French and had the inflection of an education. The car they were driving, a Volkswagen Santana stolen from a car showroom, was immediately dumped after the crime was committed. On August 14, 1982, a grocery store in Maubeuge, France, was robbed at gunpoint, with some food and wine being loaded into a vehicle when two French police officers responded to the scene and were both shot and seriously wounded. On September 30th, in the middle of the day, three gunmen broke into a Belgian weapons dealer, forced all of the customers and employees to the floor, and began calmly and methodically shopping for the weapons that they wanted to steal. Settling on some submachine guns, a handful of pistols, and some shotguns. A police officer who happened to be nearby responded to the robbery, and for the first time since their crime spree began, the Brabant killers mercilessly took a human life. Two other officers responded and were both shot at, seriously wounded, but survived their attacks. On December 23, 1982, the caretaker of the Beersel Inn, a man named Josie van den Inde, was found tortured and murdered inside of his establishment. And though there were rumors that the murder was committed by far-right extremist organizations, he was yet another victim of the increasingly violent Brabant killers. Unfortunately, by this point in their investigation, police had no clue any of the robberies and murders were connected to one another. None of the crimes had any signature, with motives and methods seemingly scattered all over the place, and crimes ranging from small, inconsequential robberies like of food and tea, to torture, bloodshed, and intense weaponry. Crimes that continued without missing a beat. On January 9, 1983, a taxi driver in Mons, Belgium, was found dead inside of the trunk of his car murdered a few days before his discovery. From the looks of things, police theorize that whoever killed Angelo Constantin used his taxi for a day or two after he was killed. 
The only evidence found at the scene was a cigarette butt that DNA saw no matches in their system. On January 28th, a car company was robbed at gunpoint. On February 11th, it was a supermarket where the assailants got about $18,000 and wounded several. On the 14th, a woman had her VW Golf stolen at gunpoint and gave a description of her attacker that was widely circulated. On the 22nd, an Audi 100 with bullet holes from the February 11th incident was stolen from her garage where it was getting repaired. And on the 25th, another supermarket was robbed where they made off with less than $16,000 and all survived. On March 3rd, 1983, not only was there another armed robbery that took place in Holly where about $18,000 was stolen and a supermarket staff lost their life, but the Audi that was stolen from the dealership turned up abandoned in a whole other city. A few days later, another supermarket was robbed for about $22,000, and everyone managed to survive. Things seemed to cool off for a bit with another attack not taking place until September 10, 1983. This robbery, however, would be their most mysterious yet. This is the day the still completely unknown men entered a textile manufacturer late in the night and stole seven bulletproof vests something the company had, unbeknownst to most, just recently started developing. A few witnesses ended up calling the police. They received some warning shots, and the thieves attempted to make their escape. When the police finally made it to the building, they found the body of the overnight caretaker, along with his wife, who had come with him to work that night, who was lying nearby, seriously injured. Seven days later, a couple was murdered after stopping their Mercedes at a 24-hour self-service gas station that the Brabant killers happened to be at. Despite the deafening sounds of alarms, the seasoned criminals took their time loading up 20 kilos of tea and coffee and about 10 liters of cooking oil. Two officers responded to the alarm and were, as a result, both shot as soon as they arrived. One perished in the gunfight and the other was seriously injured. The killers escaped in a Saab turbo that they had stolen back on February 22nd and the couple's Mercedes. Following behind them was a police car that was then lost after they maneuvered down a minor road in the Saab. After unsuccessfully trying to destroy the car, they abandoned it near the same garage where they stole the Audi and near the same location of the VW hijacking back in 1982. On October 2nd, 1983, a restaurant in O'Hain was robbed where nothing was stolen, but the owner lost his life. And on October 7th, a supermarket in Beersel was robbed where about $35,000 were stolen and a customer was killed. On December 1st, 1983, a shop in Anderloo was broken into and the couple who owned it, Jean and Marie Chamusic, were shot almost immediately upon their entrance. Jean attempted to defend himself with his own weapon, his daughter's upstairs, but was overpowered by the career criminals. The surveillance camera recording was destroyed before the killer left, and the stolen VW used to escape contained a fake license plate that was copied from a legitimately owned VW connected to the garage where the Audi was also taken in 1982. The more the crimes persisted, the more connected they became. However, the police could not officially make all of those connections until 1986, believing up until then that all of these crimes were committed by various different criminal groups. They did seem to connect all of the supermarket robberies together, but not with any of the other cases that they had. Then, as quickly as they showed up, 
the Brabant killers seemingly disappeared for all of 1984. For a moment, the area of Brussels could breathe once again. Then, on September 27, 1985, yet another supermarket started the whole thing back up again, but this time saw a child being taken as a hostage and the murder of three different people in addition to less than $6,000 being stolen. Two more were injured, and about 15 to 25 minutes later, yet another store was broken into, and about $25,000 was taken. This time, five people were killed, one of which was a child playing outside near the store, and one was injured. It seemed like when they came back, they came back deadlier than ever. One of those robberies took place in the same area where the Saab was left, where the Audi was stolen, and where the VW was hijacked, leading the police to theorize that someone in the criminal operation, if not both of them, lived in this area. The final robbery took place on November 9th, 1985, when yet another Delhaye supermarket was approached at gunpoint. This one, however, was a bit outside the gang's normal location. Encountering a family of four in the store's parking lot, the gunman, completely unprovoked, shot the mother, father, and daughter while the son ran back into the store and was shot at point-blank range. He was badly wounded but managed to survive. Those who survived the attacks would later report that the killers, who wore face paint disguises, screamed and taunted the patrons of the store, laughing and smiling while shooting recklessly into the crowd. A total of eight people were killed with several sustaining serious injuries. When the police arrived at the scene, the killers taking their sweet time, they began shooting at their VW before speeding away, police cars rushing after them, but ultimately losing the chase. With that final most deadly attack, the Brabant killers went completely silent. In total, over the years of activity, the killers took the lives of 28 people of various ages and injured another 22 in what is widely considered Belgium's most notorious unsolved crime spree. The culprits are, as far as the investigation goes, the giant, the tall man who is believed to be the leader of the pair, the killer, the main shooter and the deadliest member, and the old man, a middle-aged man who, on some occasions, drove the getaway car. In November of 1986, still desperate to solve the case, officials found various items and weapons hidden in a canal that were connected to the Brabant killers. These items indicated that the gang consisted of shooting enthusiasts who, in addition to being thieves, were drug dealers who combined their criminal activities with daytime jobs in things like food preparation or scrap metal dealing. They were men who started out sloppy and harmless, leaving with relatively small profits in comparison to the risks their locations posed, but with an escalated sense of bravado, shot and killed innocent people who, in most cases, did nothing to interfere with their score and were killed for no discernible reason. Yet, despite not always wearing gloves and allowing some of the victims to see their faces, these men remain a complete mystery. This is due, in the opinions of many, to the failings of local law enforcement early in the case, often at the hands of a bitter rivalry amongst the various authorities, with one of the biggest oversights being the failure to preserve the vehicles stolen, modified, and abandoned by the Brabant killers and the mishandling of the evidence. 
This, coupled with the fact that the last robbery took place despite the fact that patrols were checking supermarkets every 20 minutes, led to rumors that the gang operated with some inside knowledge and complicity from some form of military or police, with some claiming that the Belgian Stay Behind Network, operating as a secret branch of the Belgian military service, had some links to the gang, a branch that had units consisting of Belgian gendarmerie, with one theory claiming that a communist threat in Western Europe was the reason for the activation. Despite the fact that an inquiry failed to turn up any substantial evidence of their involvement or that a criminal group had infiltrated the Stay Behind network, as a result, the Belgian gendarmerie was abolished. As suspects have come and gone over the years, the case of the Brabant killers is still active, with appeals being made to the public in 2020 to help identify a man in a photograph the police believe was directly involved in the crimes. A special extension to the statute of limitations allows the case to continue until 2025, and officials intend to, until that day, work on finding out the identity of the dangerous killers. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to a terrible thing happened in the new year on January 1st, 2022. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.